Hi everyone, welcome back to the Panama Podcast. Uh, I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm delighted to welcome back um, somebody who's become very quickly become a good friend of mine. Um, I was on the show um, I recorded with her quite recently. I don't know when that one will come out in relation to this one. It may be very close. Um, but um, Elle Rose, welcome back to the show. Hi, yeah. Um, it's good to be back. Yeah. To you again. Yeah, we only recorded like two weeks ago. Um, yeah. It's really bizarre, like, but uh, so much has happened in those two weeks. <laughs> it, it took like two years. Like. Yeah, I have this running joke with a friend of mine about the length of each, each month in 2020 so like January was like like a year or something and February was like two weeks March was like a decade April was like just a month May was like ten years or something and now June it's like yeah like 20 years or something it's just yeah so much is happening I keep looking at my calendar and then I'm like, we're halfway through June. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, yeah. The, yeah, we're like a third of the way through June. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, oh, I know, I know. It's just crazy, isn't it? But, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about something really interesting today, something that I've wanted to talk about on the show for a while. Um, and that's, and that's kind of um, a part. We've talked with LGBTQ activists on here before. We've talked with my friend Sarah, who's polyamorous. Um, we've talked about those experiences and um, issues around that. Um, but there's an area of sexuality that we've never covered on the show. It doesn't get covered much, and that's um, uh, grey, demisexual, and panromantic people. Yeah. And L, you are all of those things. Is that am I correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also identify as polyamorous, not in that, um, I like to, like, when I date, I like to have multiple romantic partners, but, se- like, sex is different for me, so, right. yeah, I, identi- I identify as gray ace or demisexual, panromantic, meaning gender does not matter to me, and as uh, polyamorous, yeah, all three of those. That's fantastic. And those labels... Um, those identifiers are ones that don't get talked about much and people aren't really aware of um, as much um, but, you know, just because they don't get talked about as much they're not kind of out there publicly as much um, so tell us a bit about what those identities mean to you um, and what your experience of that, of that, of that, of that is uh, it's, uh, first thing I want to say is if you haven't heard of these before, you're not alone. I had not heard the term asexual or gray ace or anything like that until I was like, I mean, I was like in my 20s. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm 27 now, so it was like, I was like 23, I think, when I first heard of that. And um, my first inclination was, isn't everybody like that, but... I think it's important first to talk about what is asexuality because these are all kind of under the ace umbrella. Hmm. So asexuality means someone who does not experience sexual attraction towards other people, like period. So if um, you're a, if I was a straight woman 
that would mean that I I am sexually attracted and presumably romantically attracted to men. Asexual people don't feel that for anybody. So um, we tend to use something called the split attraction model because for a lot of people who are on the asexual spectrum and or on the aromantic spectrum, they're like our sexual identity and our romantic attraction don't necessarily line up. Like I developed romantic crushes really, really easily, but it wasn't, it wasn't until like a few years ago that I really started thinking about like, I, I went my pansexual for a long time. So I was like, gender doesn't matter to me. And I got asked by other people who were asexual, like, oh, what's it like to be pan? I always wondered what that was like. And I would be like, well, um, I kind of fantasize about, like, you know, going to a movie and having a good conversation. And maybe someday we'll have sex, but probably, you know, maybe not. And they were like, um, it doesn't really sound like you're pan. Mm. <laughs> so that was kind of where that started for me. Um, so it was like, oh, the sexual attraction is not lining up with the romantic attraction. And I realized also over time, like, I had put myself in a lot of sexual situations just because it was expected, whether or not I really wanted to be there. But I had this weird conundrum of I also being positive towards sex. And my only understanding of asexuality at the time was that People who are ace, just period, did not do not ever like sex. But the more I've learned about it, the more that's not really the case. Um, the the more proper term now, um, I think, is sex favorable. So what that is, means is there are people who are do not experience sexual attraction, but may enjoy sex, may be sex favorable, or just sex neutral, may have sex with their partner um, as part of their relationship, which is you know up to them and their partner. And then there are people who are ace or sex repulsed, um, or I, I think that's the correct term right now, meaning like they don't want anything to do with it. And so that's kind of that's kind of where a lot of those come in. Demisexuality and gray asexuality is kind of like if being allosexual is like over here, meaning your romantic and sexual attraction line up, you experience them at the same time. Um, like if you're bisexual your experience romantic and by like um, sexual attraction towards two or more genders simultaneously when you like someone. And then if asexuality is no sexual attraction, um, like towards anybody, no matter what, whether or not you want a romantic relationship, I can't speak for aromantic people because I'm, I'm not aromantic, but um, no sexual attraction. Uh, those over here, gray asexuality and demisexuality, which is kind of usually considered a type of gray asexuality, is kind of in the gray area, meaning we get sexual attraction, but it's rare. Like, it's not, it's, it's not commonplace. It's not every time I like someone, or it's not, like, I don't, I do not experience sexual attraction towards strangers. I do not, I, I dated someone for, like, 10 months I never felt sexually attracted towards them like that that can happen too wow yeah so that's 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 some of that and I, I don't want to talk for aromantic people because I'm not one but it's kind of the same thing anytime you see the a in front of something that's like this is a lack of so like aromantic no romantic attraction asexual no asexual attraction a gender 
don't identify with the gender. So, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I, and it's amazing that um, this doesn't get talked about more. I mean, I didn't know about polyamory until I think three or four years ago. Um, when, oh. I, when I met when I met a polyamorous friend, um, yeah. and she was on the show, Sarah. Um, that's quite that's quite a few years ago now. Uh, that's that's kind of when I started to learn about all these different identities, uh, sexual identities that people have. Um, and of course, like living in the culture that we do, even even in, even now, there's still, and especially I guess living in America, which is you know, um, culturally evangelical Christian, <laughs> um, yeah. there's there must be a lot of challenges um, of identifying as those um, and growing up, kind of almost not. I mean, it sounds like you grew up and you weren't you weren't quite quite sure what you were uh, at that point. Is that is that would that be correct or? Yeah, that would be that would be correct. Um, for years, I actually had people in high school tell me, like, oh, you're not straight, you're not straight. And I'd be like, yes, I am. And um, I don't know, there was a lot of confusion because it was, I would have, like, these friend crushes and, like, towards girls, but I didn't, I didn't ever want to, I you know, have any sexual relations with them. I'm like, like I'm like, oh, I might want to kiss them and cuddle, but, like, that's, that's about as far as it ever went. And then also like my romantic attraction was everywhere but no one had ever you know no one had ever told me that you don't have to be a sexual being and I know a lot of evangelical Christian asexuals who were like oh that was easy um for me because um you know it's like oh I'm not desiring this thing I'm not supposed to desire but I felt kind of at this crossroads where like I'm like oh I'm raised in the evangelical church but so much of the message I'm getting both from that church and from an a-hole that I dated for two years and from culture and from boys around me was that I was supposed to be a sexual being, a sexual object. So I didn't really feel like, yeah, I felt very confused for a very long time. And every time I felt like I'd figured it out, I was like, oh, I'm bi and polyamorous. And then I'd be like, well, like in the back of my mind, I'd be like, that's not quite right. And then I'd be, I finally came out as pansexual and polyamorous. And then there's also in the back of my mind, that's not quite right. And I remember talking to myself for a long time about like, should I even talk about it? Should I even talk about it? Should I even come out like for a few years and feeling like, oh, it, you know, like this back of my head, like this internalized aphobia, like phobia towards not being allosexual, which is like someone who isn't asexual like that yeah that confusion was really hard for a few years because I'd sit there and I'd talk to myself and I'd be like oh it doesn't matter like why do you think like why does it matter you know to talk about this why does it matter to talk about this but since talking about it and getting support from uh friends for it like I'm like oh it actually really does matter I feel so much better now <laughs> so, yeah I've I've spoken to some LGBTQ people. Um, I remember talking to Vicky Beeching um, when her book came out, and the the struggle that she had for years not being able to tell anyone her sexuality and the freedom that she felt when she was finally able to acknowledge it publicly. 
Um, yeah. And it sounds like you had kind of a similar experience. That, that once you kind of once you know who you are, there's a there's yeah. a there's a lot of freedom in that. Definitely, and it's been it has been so good also to see other people go, "Hey, I'm that too," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I had no idea!" Like that's such a good feeling. Like for other people to be like, "I also feel this way," and you're like, "Oh." thank god <laughs> like mm. um, yeah yeah there is an element of that when we when we actually find the truth of who we are and we actually are able to own it and name it it kind of sets us free from a lot of things yeah definitely yeah definitely um so i mean what's i mean what's kind of your lived experience of this since since you kind of came to terms with who you are and were able to name that and and come out um, fully, what's kind of been your lived experience of that? It's been mostly positive, um, but there is an undercurrent in some um, LGBT circles of like, oh, aces are just basically straight, which isn't true, but... Um, I don't know, it's been it's been mostly positive, but I think that's because before I actually started talking about it, I was kind of surrounded by queer allies. So I have had the unique experience of being able to say to my friends, hey, I'm no longer this, um, like, this is actually who I am. And I was lucky enough to have friends who were like, oh, I um, know what that is, or friends who said, oh, I don't know what that is, can you tell me? And then um, accept me for it. When I first came out, I was dating someone at the time, and I was really, really scared to tell him. But um, he was accepting of it, and that was a huge relief. That's, like, that's one of the scariest things, is, like, to tell somebody in this hypersexualized culture, like, hey, this is where I am. You know, like I did feel sexual attraction towards him, but like I haven't gone on a dating app since um, for a lot of reasons, for a whole host of reasons, actually, that don't have anything to do with this. But some of the reasons are that I'm like, who's going to there's a part of me that's like, who's going to swipe right on somebody who may never want to have sex with them? And that's been a hard thing. It's been also hard to um, find, like, good, um, educated people who, like, are open to talking about it, who are not um, people who are already accepting of it. Like, it's been hard to, quote-unquote, convert people, I guess, to thinking, oh, well, this is also a thing, even though it's, it's not new. Like, just recently, I was supposed to do a brand deal with somebody, and I kept asking them over and over and over, like, hey, I need to know, do you um, do you accept asexuality and aromantics? And they just kept plowing through the conversation. And I gave that about, I think, like, a week or two weeks, and Avon, a the Asexuality, Visibility, and Education Network actually looked at it with me. They couldn't find anything on their website. I emailed them, nothing. And that's been that's been really disappointing. But most of the aphobia that I encounter is kind of third party. So far, I'm mm. expecting that to change as I talk about it more. Like the more you say, "Hey, this is who I am," the more I ex 
I, I unfortunately expect some nasty people to come out of the woodwork. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that yet. Um, I mean, I know I have supportive friends, but I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that yet. About, I think the, the most negative experience I've had is I was in a doctor's office and they were like, oh, you know, you might be able to have sex again. And I was like, actually, I think I'm like somewhere in asexuality. And they kind of paused and then they were like, well, you don't have to give yourself like a label of other people tell you that. And I was like, no, this is the label I'm giving myself. And that was like, that was really disappointing. So, mm. yeah. But yeah, most of my experience has been pretty positive, but I've been very selective with who I talk to about it, but I'm realizing it's better to be more public about it if you can, because there are a lot of people who cannot talk about it, and that might be helpful, and I think that's worth the risk. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it, it, it's really courageous of you to to come on here and talk about it, honestly. Um, I'm always in awe of people who are willing to talk about their sexuality publicly. Um, Me too, yeah. Even when, as a person who does, like, I'm yeah. so thankful for people who do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a... People don't realise what a courageous thing it is to, to come out uh, in the first place and also to talk about it publicly because... Because it's still, even in 2020, there's still loads of stigma, loads of judgment, um, loads of phobia out there. Infighting within the LGBT community, like... Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. And not just towards ACEs, but there's like a whole group of um, lesbian activists right now who are like, we need to drop the T from LGBT, and I'm like, whoa, um, no we don't. (laughs) Like... Wow. So that's wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't get that. Like, trans people are trans. Yeah. They're quite to deal with it. Like. Yeah, I mean, we had this. We, there's been this big thing happening recently in the last week yeah. before we recorded with J.K. Rowling and then um, Daniel Radcliffe coming out, um, you know, yeah. to kind of not condemn her but also but also not to support her either you know um jk yeah, rowling made some comments yeah. about asexuality which were not yeah just appropriate about that was so good like, yeah um and daniel Radcliffe's response was was amazing I, I thought it was wonderful uh exactly what needed to be said you know so um yeah um so yeah it's an important and, and it's pride month you know, right now, we're recording Pride Month. So, you know, even it's even more important to talk about these things than ever. And people should not be ashamed of being who they are. Um, you know, I never, it was always very simple to me, even though I grew up in the church, that um, you are who you are, and that's who you are. You know, I only ever, I never really believed anti LGBTQ theology. Even though I was kind of told I had to, I, I never really felt comfortable with it at all. Um, yeah. It just nev- doesn't make any sense. No. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, I remember growing up being like, oh, I know this person who says that they're um, bi, and then I, like, or this person says they're gay. And then, like, in the back of my mind, I'd kind of be like, oh, like, well, okay, why does that, why does it really 
make that big a deal? Like, why does it, like, why is it such a negative deal is what I mean. Like, why is it, like, why is that supposed to be such a bad thing? And I never got a straight answer. Like, I would ask people, like, in the church, I'd be like, why would God make people just to send them to hell if that's who they are? And I never, I really never got a straight answer about it. Like, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, they'd be like, well, it's in the Bible. And I'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, the, what it, it's in the Bible is um, probably one of the most useless arguments that that anyone has ever given for anything because um, the Bible can be interpreted in every in so many different ways and um, always has to be taken in historical context and the language and the people who wrote it and everything like that So it, you, it, it's, and it's not even one book it's a collection of books um, so it's just a, it's just a hopeless argument <laughs> and I just I always laugh when I hear it because it just doesn't hold any water whatsoever it doesn't and the word um, like the, the one of the main verses people point to is like oh being gay is um, like wrong or like you know God doesn't like gay people or whatever the word um, homosexual in that verse was actually not even added until like 1940s and the King James Bible King James very famously had a male lover. So there's that. And on top of that, if you go back to, like, the original, like, um, Hebrew, like, because a lot of that stuff is in the Old Testament, a lot of things people point to, there are words so old that we literally don't know what they mean anymore. <laughs> like, they're, like, like, in the, like, original, like, Hebrew of the Bible. So when people, like, come at me and are like, oh, homosexuality is a sin, and I'm like... <sighs> okay like I have I think a, a I think like a year ago there was somebody on Twitter who said that and I very thoroughly demolished their argument and I was like look I've read this too and I've studied it and it doesn't say that and like <laughs> no response nothing yeah yeah and actually um I was watching Queer Eye recently and they had this past this gay pastor on there and he was sitting in the car talking to one of the presenters and actually was talking about a story of Jesus where um, it's a famous one, the, the faith of the centurion, the um, who comes to Jesus and says, can you, I've got this person who's dying, you know, um, and can you heal him? And I believe you can heal him without seeing him. And when you actually unpick the language, actually the person he's talking about would be, would have been a partner, like a, a male partner. Um and uh you know a male lover and jesus would have known this and jesus didn't say anything he just heals him you know um so this is like so which is really really interesting because you know if there's ever a time to come out and say it's wrong that's the time to say it you know yeah, so All right. that would be the the time like I haven't actually ever uh, watched Queer Eye, but um, I've heard good things. Oh, Queer Eye is like, it's like church. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I always feel so helpful, hopeful when I watch it, hopeful about the world. Um, It's it's a great show, Um, and it's very (laughs) binge-worthy. I was going to say, that reminds me of, there used to be a show on network television that I, I really loved, and it was called how to look beautiful naked and like on the title you would think oh they're gonna give these women like makeovers they're gonna but what they actually did 
was um, they would like take a photo, like an implied nude photo, and they would put it on a billboard, and they would like talk to people on the street and be like, "Hey, do you think this person's beautiful?" And, like they would have all these recordings of like that they could show um, her, like, "Hey, like, he, like first, like they would say, what do you not like about your body?" And then through the entire um, episode, after they showed her those recordings, they would be like, "You know, here's ways that you can like." dress that you know accentuate your body like your body's great like hear all these amazing things about it here are these people who also like love you just the way you look and it was so good it was such a like body positive thing oh i wish that that was still around but it was such a positive show yeah there's an element of that on queer eye actually because i have a fashion guy on there and you know in the a lot of people on there are you know they're not what you would call your stereotype of well, what culture says is good looking um, at all um, but they always this guy always manages to find clothes which accentuate their their body as it is and make it look great make them look great as they are um, and there's no there's never any shaming for people of their um, because of their body type at all it's just it's really really that's one of the things I love about it it's just they just take people as they are um, uh, yeah so recommendation for listeners listen to what go and watch that show on netflix you might be able to find um how to look beautiful naked on youtube because it was like such a public access. i remember that i remember that show too yeah yeah so how is how is you kind of your experience and the identities that you um choose to identify with that wasn't very good, was it? But <laughs> how do, how does how does that impact you? How has that impacted your mental health and and your spiritual journey as well? Um, I think spiritual journey. I don't really. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure where I'm at with that right now. I'm definitely definitely far from being evangelical Christian, but also got a lot of like religious trauma for like a whole host of reasons. Hmm. So it's one of those things that I'm like I'm delicately picking apart with a therapist. But, um, thank goodness for therapy, but, um, for, for mental health, like it just like the weight that is like lifted off to be like, to be able to say it or to be able to, um, make it, I'm making a video right now of like, um, uh, Frozen 2, Elsa's in that and there are a few songs that I'm like, this is like such an anthem and when I watched it in theaters I was just like, I was just sobbing like I was like, I feel so seen and that just doesn't happen so like it's been it's been really, really really good for my mental health, it's also been really scary, like it's sometimes very anxiety inducing because there's a part of me that's like, my parents still think I'm bi so there's a part of me that's like you know, how would I ever explain to them? Like, how would I, how would I ever explain to, like, I, I and I haven't, um, there's like people in my life, I'm like, who I haven't told yet, because they just, they don't follow me on social media. So I'm like, how, how do you explain, how do I explain this without getting attacked or derailed? How do I explain this without mm. getting like, just cut off? And so on the one hand, it's like really positive because it's like, oh, there are people who actually support me as me. And then on the other hand, it's like, what about the people who don't and that I don't, I don't know who they are yet, you know? 
Like I was planning on going to Pride for the first time this year. There's a part of me that's also afraid. So it's like, there's, there are still LGBT people who don't think being anywhere on the A spectrum is queer, but it, but it is. So it's like, it's a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. It's a very mixed bag. Yeah, and it's sad that the LGBTQ community is is divided like that. I would not have. It's funny because from the outside, being you know uh, cisgender male, I would not have. I would not have known that. You know, it's yeah. Um, it's it's really unfortunate because like cause there are a lot of really great, positive, accepting people, and it's not like aces or arrows are new at all. I don't know where that concept even comes in but we're not we're not new and then there are people like there's a lot of infighting in lgbt um and a lot of like just a lot of really bitter people which is really unfortunate and there's um and there's a lot of racism too like just because just because we're queer like we're still a diverse group of people and i think people don't always like think that like from the outside like i think we're kind of painted as being like all accepting, but the truth is a lot more complicated. Like mm. you might get a lot of great accepting people who, you know, want to work on acceptance and want to work on including everybody um, of every sexuality and every romantic orientation, every skin color, everything like that. And then you will meet people who do not want that, who feel threatened by threats that do not exist. Mm. And it's, 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 yeah, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. But that's true with any group of people, though. Yeah, because ultimately we're all human beings and we're all imperfect and we all make mistakes and, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, I think one of, the, one of the things I talk about a lot on the show is we just need to allow space for each other to be human. Yeah. We, we, we expect... We expect too much of each other sometimes. We expect perfection in our behaviour and in how we speak and everything like that, and that we're going to get things absolutely perfectly every time. And that's and we're not because we're human, and we're all learning lessons. Um, and it's interesting. I've been talking about this on Twitter in regards to um, systemic racism, in that you know white people are going to get it wrong, um, even the ones that are doing the learning that are doing the work and I'm trying to do the work and I know people, other people are trying to do the work they're still going to get it wrong even if you're doing the work um, because um, because of the system as it is um, and because because we're human and we make mistakes that the most important thing is that you're doing the work and learning and growing yes. and being we compassionate. as white people um, in relation to that we as white people need to normalise and internalise and get used to saying I was wrong, I'm sorry, and not going mm. to this long spiel about, like, oh, I didn't mean this, or I didn't mean that, or, like, just, mm. you know, if you have a question, maybe ask it, but, like, just be used to, like, saying, oh, I did this wrong. And I think that's going to be the hardest lesson for a lot of us, like, is yeah. just to be wrong. I think that's oh. right, yeah. Just admitting that you're wrong, apologising, and learning. That's it next next time that's all part of the 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 cycle of growth um in this area and every area actually um also in in terms of um the engaging with the lgbtq community there are things that 
people need to learn and yeah. how people will make mistakes and we have to have grace with each other as we do that uh, because we're human but we also have to if we're the ones doing the work like you say we have to be willing to take responsibility when we mess up um, yeah. and not shame ourselves for it um, we're human we're going to make mistakes but just learn from them and that's that's it it's, there's no shame in making a genuine mistake it's if you do it deliberately and with ignorance that it's a problem um, yeah. um, or you, you double down on it like hmm. I don't know if you saw but there was somebody who complained complained that's the wrong word compared Black Lives Matter to being vegan and a bunch of people called her out they were like that is whoa like you were you know you're equivocating two things that are not equal and she yeah. doubled down on it so hard in her quote unquote apology and I was just like like that this is not how you do it, you know? Like, this is... Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah. That's right. And we're... we're, we're <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's somebody, that's somebody who's not teachable, you see. That's the problem. Like, um... Being teachable is really, really important. Um, and... And when you're teachable, you're, you're... For me, in my experience, the more teachable the world you are, the more grace you have for other people in making mistakes and the more grace you have with yourself in making yeah. mistakes. Um, and so that's a healthy place to be because it's, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, um, you know, coming, coming back around to what we were talking about, you know, we're just, we're just human. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we're all on a learning journey. <laughs> Yeah. definitely yeah definitely and part of that's accepting ourselves as we are which is what you've done which is really great i'm getting closer every day like i i mean i do still struggle with a little bit like oh shit like i i realized i struggled a lot with like oh i thought this entire time it, x was sexual attraction but it's not <laughs> that mm. was a weird realization like oh just wanting to sit down with someone and like you know watch a movie and cuddle is not the same as like wanting to engage in a sexual after relationship with them which is really really a weird thing to realize but yeah it's been it's it's good to accept yourself and I think it also um like removes like not removes but oh I'm trying to say here um I think it kind of helps other people especially in your dating life if you are queer like it helps you not unintentionally hurt other people like so you're like oh my my insecurity is based in being seen this way and like to to finally like accept like there are people who are going to see you as whole as a whole person and that that's not a bad thing and that you are a whole person like no matter what kind of queer you are that's a very very important thing is to see yourself as a person and to not see it as a threat or um something anxiety inducing when other people see you as a person so like just to kind of explain that a little bit like for so long like i just kind of saw myself as a sexual object and i, I mean i'd still date people and i'd still like fall in love and things like that but that's really how i saw myself for years and so when I would be dating someone and if they didn't want sex or if 
they um, like didn't want it that day or like saw me as a person. It really freaked me out. I was like, who else am I outside of this? And like growing to accept that, I think whether or not you are any like on the asexual spectrum, I think is incredibly important. You know, mm. like that's yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is really important, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, just, I, I mean, just to, do you feel, do you ever experience, like, loneliness in in terms of, I mean, like, for me, um, I can often feel lonely and desire a partner and desire intimacy and, you know, desire sexual expression because I'm a human being, especially being living on my own and during quarantine, you know. Um, so um, what's your experience of, of that? Well, um, I kind of, like for a really long time, I was like, oh, I need sex as part of a relationship is what I thought. And then when I started dating someone at the time who was um, asexual, that's when I finally learned, oh, no, like if I have those needs, I don't actually need another person. Like, and so that was, that was actually a really good revelation. Like I do kind of, I, I kind of miss cuddling with people and snuggling and things like that, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by engaging in sex less or by hmm. desiring it less, you know? Interesting. That's really, that's actually really, that feels like a benefit almost because yeah, yeah. Um, you don't experience the same language that a lot of other people would. Um, yeah. Like, I love touch, but it's not, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. You know, like, learning those differences. And there's actually something called sensual attraction, where, um, like, people are like, oh, like, the only thing I'm attracted to about this person is, like, maybe, like, kissing and, like, cuddling them and not going any further. And I kind of found out, like, oh, most of my life, that's actually all I really wanted. <laughs> like, yeah. so that, that's been a really good realization, I think. Yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. I do miss people in relation to COVID, though. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I miss seeing my friends. I miss, you know, um, hanging out, conversation, face-to-face. -face. You know, yeah. I miss all of that. It's, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I miss hugs. I'm a touchy-feely person. Oh, I love hugs. Um, um, After this, somebody better hug me for, like, the next seven years. Like, yeah, I, I, I've... Doing, follow me everywhere, like, hugging me. <laughs> I put it out on Twitter a while back saying, when this is over, everyone has permission to hug me. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> like, I, I just want tons of hugs. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because I, yeah, physical touch is really important to me. And I love language, but also I think in terms of, I've heard uh, other people talk about this, that as human beings, we need, we need that um, physical touch yeah. to feel loved and safe. Um, and affirmed and so yeah even from that perspective I definitely want more of that when this is over um. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to uh, get on Tinder and be like hi um, how about instead of like Netflix and quote unquote chill we just chill and watch Netflix <laughs> like we just sit there in each other's arms nothing else is I think I've just realised what the Netflix and chill thing actually means, and I didn't realise that before. <laughs> I didn't realise it for a really long time. I was so confused. And then people were like, 
oh, it means, um, you know, and I was like, wait, what? Really? Like, That's so, literally, I didn't know that. Why am I just leaving the knee off? Because there's like, a Ben & Jerry's flavour <laughs> called Netflix and Chill. <laughs> Right? So I didn't even think about that until you just said it. Okay. <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> a few years ago, somebody posted on like a forum, they were like, you know, Apple um, bottom jeans, boots with the fur, like that kind of thing. Um, and they were like Apple bottom and this um, character. And like, I was like, I don't get it. Like what? It, I don't get it. And everybody was like, it's a sex joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hopelessly naive about this. Like, I didn't, I didn't get the talk when I was growing up for a lot of reasons, and um, my science classes were rubbish at school, so I never learned anything about sex. I didn't know what a virgin was until I was like eighteen or nineteen. I literally didn't know what it was. Um, I had to literally figure it out myself. Like, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I had to learn everything. I had to figure it out all, all for myself, like literally. Um, so I'm still quite naive in that area, really. <laughs> um, but I, but I kind of like that. So um, I was gonna say, sex ed in America, there's no standard for it. Literally, like between schools, you might get like between schools and school districts, you might get like different levels. And we were basically like, it was like a weirdly mechanical like menstruation class. And I was like, I'm curious about this, but I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, well, this has been so great. Um, thank you, Al, for yeah. coming on and sharing your story. It's, um, like I said, it's a really courageous thing to do. Um, um, I also released a blog post that really goes into more detail about this. I can send you a link to that whenever this goes up. Then yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. So uh, everyone, if you're listening, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, the link to that that post, and um, you can follow um, L at uh, Secret Lady Spider without the E uh, in secret. Um, uh, on social Twitter. media, usually, usually the E is there, but Twitter said it was one character too many, so. Uh, right. Good old yeah, Twitter, so right? Redbubble <laughs> and Twitter, the first E is missing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and what, just what, just one thing, what is one word of encouragement and support you want to give to other people like you who are maybe struggling to come to terms with their sexuality? Talk to, um, I would say talk to other queer people talk to people across the spectrum and that you do not have to be, you do not have to be sexual and you do not have to be asexual. And also that it's okay to change a label or rediscover yourself or come out again and again if you need to. Those are all fine. It's a journey. Like coming out is not a one-stop shop. You don't have to say I'm this and leave it at that if you're not comfortable with that. Find some queer elders, um, find some queer moms and dads to take you in and to tell you that it's okay. And also know that if you're in a place right now where it's not safe to come out, that it does get better. It does. And please hold on and keep holding on. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much, Al. Um, Anytime. <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening, everybody.